0: Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, May 5th. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. Here are today's headlines. Grim news statistics. The Trump administration privately estimating deaths from coronavirus could reach 3,000 per day. This as states relax social distancing restrictions and open back up for business. Is it too much too fast? And the devastating impact on the U.S. economy is also being felt next door in Mexico as billions of dollars on remittances to that country hit a new low. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We begin today, this hour, with shocking numbers from an internal report. 134,000, the new number of projected deaths from COVID-19, In the U.S. by August, according to the University of Washington researchers, that is. Internal documents indicate the Trump administration expects the daily death toll from the coronavirus to rise sharply in the next few weeks. This has many states try to return to normal. Andrea Linares reports.
1: Alarming new estimates, the New York Times obtaining a preliminary analysis from Johns Hopkins sent to FEMA to help with scenario planning. Preliminary data showing the number of American fatalities from coronavirus could nearly double by June 1st, increasing from about 1,750 to 3,000 a day if social distancing rules are relaxed. And the number of new cases could jump from 25,000 a day to 200,000 by June. The what White House saying this data is not reflective of any modeling done by the task force. But on Sunday, in a town hall with Fox News Channel, President Trump acknowledged the number of deaths may climb more than previously thought. We're going to lose
2: anywhere from 75, 80 to 100,000 people. That's a horrible thing. We shouldn't
0: lose one person over this.
1: America now facing some tough decisions.
2: There's no way to sugarcoat it. Um, If we don't open up the economy, we can feel the pressure. If we do open it up, we will feel the pain.
1: Meanwhile, the president insisting that the coronavirus originated in a research lab in Wuhan, China. However, multiple intelligence officials from the Five Eye Coalition, which includes the US, Britain, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, claim that it is far more likely the virus originated at a food market in Wuhan, although it's unclear how it got there and Dr. Fauci telling the National Geographic, if you look at the evolution of the virus in bats and what's out there now, the scientific evidence is very, very strongly leaning toward this could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated. The U.S. intelligence community has said it believes that the novel coronavirus was not man-made or genetically modified, but it's reportedly still investigating whether it was caused by an accident at a lab in Wuhan. And President Trump says the U.S. government is currently putting together a report on the origins of the virus. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, now back to you.
0: And as more states reopen, the question remains, is it too soon? Most Americans, according to a new poll, saying it is. This as half the states are still seeing a rise in cases and health experts warn we need to prepare for another wave of coronavirus. Restaurants in Nebraska, bars in Montana and offices in Colorado are now open. By the end of this week, more than 40 states will be partially back in business. But in half of those states, the daily new case count is still rising, among them Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois, opening without seeing the recommended 14-day decline in cases. Dr. Anthony Fauci is worried about cases potentially increasing in the coming months. It's the balance of something that's a very difficult choice, like how many deaths and how much suffering are you willing to accept? to get back to what you want to be some form of normality sooner rather than later. You know, it's something that people feel very differently about. But despite the pressure protesters around the country have put on governors to restart their economies, a new Washington Post-University of Maryland poll shows most Americans widely oppose reopening. 67 percent saying they would be uncomfortable shopping at a retail clothing store and 78 percent would be uncomfortable eating at a sit-down restaurant. Doctors in Ohio taking to the streets to support Governor DeWine, who's faced backlash for implementing strict restrictions and making masks in public mandatory, something he later reversed. Meanwhile, in New York and Michigan, governors are not buckling under pressure, holding steady on stay-at-home orders.
2: This can't just be we want to get out of the house. uh, We're going.
0: If we open up too fast, we will have to go through this pain all over again. California's Gavin Newsom announcing small steps towards reopening. Officials say the state has met key metrics, including testing, tracing and keeping hospital rates under control. This week,
3: end of the week, with modifications, uh, we will allow retail
2: to start uh, operating across the spectrum.
0: That will include bookstores, florists and clothing stores with curbside pickup. And joining me now, Emily G. She's a health economist at the Center for American Progress. She used to work for Health and Human Services under the previous administration. Emily, you recently wrote a brief outlining three requirements states should meet before relaxing social distancing. Right now, none of the states meet all of them. What are those thresholds?
3: That's right. We think that states need to meet three different thresholds before they consider um, a broad reopening of their economies. One is looking for low incidence of new cases. That is, looking at declining cases itself isn't enough. Um, a lot of states that are reopening, like Georgia and Texas, seem to be more, at more of a plateau than a true decline. So states should have a low level of cases popping up in their, in their states. Um, another is that states need a sufficient amount of testing to both handle this wave and any future waves. And a third is they need to have a contact tracing program in place so that when cases do pop up, they can notify the people who might be exposed and help get those people treated and tested very early on.
0: And Emily, by not meeting those thresholds, are we risking a second wave and possibly a worse second wave? I think we are, and we're also risking not having
3: this first wave disappear. Um, you know, some of these states are, uh, you know, looking better than they might have looked a you know a few days ago, but they're they're at a plateau. And and just because the initial spike was very steep doesn't mean that the decline will be uh, steep either. Um, The fact that cases, you know, in some states are slowing or declining, you know, in others they're not, but the cases, the fact that cases are slowing is thanks to the fact that we're social distancing. Um, And if we lift those policies too soon, the cases could go back up.
0: What's your reaction to states reopening amid these uh, revised projections that we're seeing? I mean, we're looking at 200,000 new cases a day by the end of the month, if it's the case.
3: So that's one particular projection. I think there are a variety of models out there, all of which, predict, uh, you know, different things depending on whether states reopen, how they reopen. Um, you know, the, looking at the numbers that we have to date, the U.S. is, is seeing about 50—sorry, about 20,000 to 30,000 new cases per day, um, and it's more or less at a plateau. Um, it, it's very concerning to me that states are reopening. Um, I I think we're not at a place where we're Uh, able to do testing at the levels that's needed to combat the virus. Um, If you look at South Korea, which was one of the most successful countries in the world um, in containing the the virus and the outbreak, they had very high levels of testing. They never got to the levels of incidence, the occurrence of cases in the population that the U.S. is at now. And they did that because they were prepared and they had the contact tracing and the testing in place um, in order to make sure that the spread was limited.
0: And can you expand a little bit on South Korea? You used it in your brief as a model because it's the only nation that, as you were talking about, has controlled their outbreak without lockdowns. So far, the death toll in that country is 254. Um, Can you expand on what exactly they did right?
3: So South Korea from the beginning was ready to go and they were ready to, they were fully prepared to um, use measures like testing and contact tracing so they didn't have to lock down. Um, You know, now we're at the point where the U.S. uh, has to lock down because we don't have those other measures in place. But that said, you know, I I think there's still a lot that we can learn from what South Korea did. Um, So two big things. One is that uh, South Korea um, had... Uh, pretty high levels of testing. Um, They were able to, you know, give tests to people who needed tests. And, you know, by contrast, the United States, we've been testing people with severe symptoms and increasingly people with mild symptoms. Um, But there's been a shortage of tests because there's not enough lab capacity, you know, depending on the state. Um, in other places, there haven't been enough uh, cotton swabs for taking the test samples. And we've we face a very severe and um, appalling shortage of protective equipment for healthcare workers, including those who um, do the tests for COVID. Um, in addition, Korea has a program for contact tracing. That is, if somebody's a confirmed positive uh, carrier of the virus or you know is is ill with the virus, um, they're able to to contact the people who might have come in close contact, whether it's family members or people they might have um, you know they might have come in contact with to be able to test those people and isolate them if they need to be isolated um, in the u.s we don't have such a system
0: in place well thank you very much emily g from the center for american progress for your input we'll definitely be following along to see how this all progresses thank you for your thank time. you very much and president trump is on his way to arizona where he's scheduled to visit a mask factory in phoenix Claudia ceda has the details from washington dc claudia
2: Good afternoon from Washington, the country is reopening and the president is starting to move around. Today he will visit a mass factory in Arizona. Since late March, the president has been at the White House involving the fines against coronavirus. Today he will tour a Honeywell airspace facility in Phoenix that is producing N95 masks. As he was leaving the White House, the president answer reporters' questions and minimize a FEMA internal report showing that 3,000 people could die a day by June, as many states are reopening their economies. Let's listen.
0: It's a report, and that's a report with no mitigation. So based on no mitigation, but we're doing a lot of mitigation... And frankly, when the people report back, they're gonna be social distancing and they're gonna be washing their hands and they're gonna be doing the things that you're supposed to do. Uh, We won't be going into stadiums full bore yet,
2: but that report is a no mitigation report and we are mitigating. The president also said that Dr. Anthony Fauci, a member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, will testify but only in the Republican-led Senate. Trump also said that he will wear a mask during the factory visit. So why is President Trump visiting this factory? Well first because this company is expanding production of these masks. And the second reason is that he's traveling to Arizona is because he's on campaign mode and Arizona is important to him. He won the state in 2016, but recent polls show him in a close contest with Biden. So we will see more of this trip. President Trump is also expected to travel to Ohio later this week.
0: Now, back to you. Thank you, Claudia Uceda, reporting from Washington, D.C. And a new COVID-19 antibody test is the first to receive independent validation from the federal government. The Food and Drug Administration has authorized the test, which is made by New Jersey-based Euroimmune. It can tell if people have been infected with the virus and recovered from it. The FDA and the CDC and the National Institute of Health evaluated the effectiveness of the test. Other tests are currently available, but public health officials say they are not accurate. More of you news after this short break. Welcome back to U News. Venezuelan authorities say they have detained two U.S. citizens working with a U.S. military veteran who has claimed responsibility for a failed armed incursion into the country. In a televised address, Venezuela's leader Nicolás Maduro said authorities arrested 13 terrorists. He says they were involved in a plot coordinated with Washington to enter the country through the Caribbean coast and oust him. The State Department did not provide any immediate comment on the alleged arrest. U.S. officials have strongly denied any U.S. government involvement in the incursions. Italy has embarked on phase two of its lockdown, easing restrictions after weeks of being ravaged by the coronavirus. But while some of the more strict restrictions are being relaxed, some rules remain in place to remain to prevent further mass spreading of the virus. Malena Marchang has more on how locals are adapting.
4: This week, a critical milestone for Italy, but specifically for the northern part of the country several months ago milan the capital of the lombardy region became the european epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic but now local leaders are announcing that the area has finally entered a so-called phase two a gradual reopening and hopefully a return to normality for so many who have been battered by the crisis this factory which produces building materials is back in action after more than two months of sitting idle Il Duomo, the cathedral of Milan, an iconic symbol of the city, no longer vacant and alone. Now, a few dozen people walk around its hallowed grounds. It's nothing compared to what it was before, but it's a start. Generally speaking, most people are accepting of the new rules. Everyone is using masks, they're covering their noses, their mouths, and they're keeping up with social distancing. Thanks to this, parks were able to reopen on Monday for the first time since early March, when the entire country went into lockdown. Many businesses remain closed, but some commercial centers have begun to reopen with limited hours and under strict measures. The Plaza del Castillo is another major landmark in Milan, A city many call the economic engine of Italy. Some closing stores here still remain shattered because retail, specifically luxury retail, will be one of the last sectors to reopen. Some restaurants face the same fate. Other businesses set to reopen, mechanics and auto parts stores. All of these steps, however, are really slowing businesses down. Patience will be key in this new era. The new key date for Italy, May 18th. That's when the country hopes to enter a new phase, gradually easing restrictions on people and their other activities. But everything will depend on the number of new cases and whether or not people once again begin to die from COVID-19. In the meantime, the majority of residents here promise to abide by the new regulations in hopes of putting the outbreak behind them. Malena Marchan, U News.
0: And Mexico City is adapting the site of its Formula One racing course to become a temporary clinic to treat coronavirus patients. The site, known as the Hermanos Rodriguez Circuit, will be used as a makeshift hospital. The pits and storage spaces will be used to treat patients and keep medical equipment. Mexico City's hospitals are near capacity. Staff has complained of lack of personal protection equipment. Authorities in Brazil and Colombia are worried about the rapid increase of coronavirus cases in the Amazon region. The lack of infrastructure puts indigenous communities at greater danger for infections. In Brazil, the mayor of Manaus asked environmental activist Greta Thunberg for help in combating the virus. Meanwhile, Colombia's health minister said 1.2 tons of personal protection equipment will arrive in the next few days to a regional hospital, which is overwhelmed by the health emergency. The coronavirus's devastating impact on the U.S. economy is also being felt next door in Mexico. Residents of that country typically on the receiving end of at least $2.5 billion of remittances each month. Melissa del Pozo has more on this unique financial relationship and how the pandemic could threaten the current system.
5: According to the World Bank, due to the coronavirus pandemic descending of medicines from the United States to Mexico will decrease 29.7%. But there are thousands of Mexicans in the United States that still send money. Maria designates 60% of her salary for her son in Puerto Vallarta and her brother in Mexico City. Right now the money is good for him, but I tell him to take care of it anyway. Miguel is 60 years old, and since his deportation has not been able to find a job, the money that his sister sends him is the only income that he has.
2: I'm
5: limited in, for example, I go to the market and I found something cheap, maybe meat, potatoes, and the rent is cheap too. I live in a very small room. In Mexico, more than 1.5 million households receive money from the United States. For half of them, That money is their only source of assistance. Maria packages meat for a frozen products company in Illinois. She's 70 years old and despite being a risk population continues to work. Maria has taken her own sanitary precautions. I I wash my hands everywhere. I protect myself with my mask and gloves. (sighs) Due to the pandemic, more than 300,000 people in Mexico have lost their jobs. The son of Maria, Javier wasn't employed a month ago in Puerto Vallarta. I'd send him to pay the rent, to pay for the college of the kids. Activists in the United States, such as Martín Unzueta, believe that Mexicans in the United States will continue to send money to their families despite the crisis. I do not think that the resources to Mexico will stop arriving. The amount will go down because people are saving money because the situation is very difficult. Maria has a second plan to keep sending money to her family, even if she loses her job. If I run out of work, I could sell tamales. I have a lot of customers. From Mexico City,
0: Melissa del Pozo, U News. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.